Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock here along with Matt Williamson, and it is Twitter Thursday today. So we will be dipping deep into your questions on Twitter. We have a bunch of good ones, as we usually do. So thank you to everybody who hits us with those questions every week. At BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. At Williamson NFL is where you can find Matt, who is a must follow on Twitter. And you can hit us up anytime during the week. You don't have to just respond to our tweets when we ask for those questions on Twitter Thursday. Knowing Twitter Thursday is coming up. If you're driving around, listen to a pod, have a question, tag us in it, and uh, we'll bookmark that thing and get it on the show every Thursday. Well, it's going to change up, I think, during the season. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep these Twitter Thursdays going, Matt, but uh, I have fun doing them in the offseason. Yeah, it's certainly fun. I like hearing from uh, our listeners and a lot of people chime in and it's a very fun show. We'll certainly uh, do some Twitter questions throughout the year as well yes. and probably uh, pick them out a little bit better as the ones that we think are a little more, you know, pre- you know to give more precedence to them. But um, for now, we're going to keep rolling with these for I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, even if we don't have a dedicated show, we will still hear your questions throughout the year. So always find us on Twitter at BD Peacock and at Williamson NFL. There are some new contracts trickling in the NFL doing business despite all of the uh, unknowns with COVID and testing and all of that. Veterans reporting this week haven't had a, a ton of bad news. There have been some sprinkles of players that that have tested positive for COVID-19. I haven't heard about anybody that's got bad symptoms or anything like that, which is good so far. So knock on wood and hope that 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 continues and that the NFL can avoid having any problems like Major League Baseball had with a with an outbreak inside one locker room. But we're still very early there. Uh, One thing that is going business wise, though, is new contracts. 49ers GM John Lynch signed a new deal to go along with Kyle Shanahan's new deal that happened earlier this offseason, five and six years, respectively. So they got to the Super Bowl. So they got re-upped long term, even though they still had three years left on their original six year deals. So uh, not super surprising there. There was rumors that that was going to happen all offseason long. I think the big deal, Matt, that we should talk about, though, is Joey Bosa, Chargers defensive end. The new highest paid, not only defensive lineman, but defensive player now in the NFL, averaging $27 million per year on his brand new five-year, $135 million contract. Yeah, great player. Um, we keep seeing you know Miles Garrett and, and a lot of these really upper-class edge guys, and there's a lot of them in the league right now. I mean, there's you can name 10, 12 and we have Brandon Thorne on just talking about the talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that there's so many, and they're going to just keep you know skyrocketing. It's almost like a a smaller version of the quarterback race. You know that it's just going to get the next guy is just going to beat Bosa, and the guy for that's going to beat him. Um, but my takeaway from this is, first of all, they have a lot of free agents to be so. Getting ahead of it and you know knocking out the top priorities, I think, is really smart. You know, Melvin Ingram is up, Keenan Allen's up, Hunter Henry's playing on the franchise tag, he's up. Mike Pouncey, Tyrod Taylor's a free agent. I mean, so they have a lot of big name guys that aren't going to be cheap. So that's going to be difficult to bring back the two thousand you know nineteen or two thousand twenty version in two thousand twenty one. But here's my biggest take, Brian is. The Chargers, remember when they were kind of 
messing around with Bosa's contract coming out, yes, you know, like yeah. just get it done. I mean, they're one of the more, I'll use a nice word, frugal teams in the league. And with all this talk about the cap going down, they've already come out and said, you know, the lowest the cap can go is like 175. 175, which, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the worst it could happen. But with a frugal team like the Chargers, you know, it's a little different than the Mahomes situation. Going out and signing a big deal right now, that just screams to me that these owners aren't that worried. Right, because the one team you thought might be worried most about it would be a team like the Chargers. And yeah. you mentioned it. And, and here's the other part of this negotiation. I wonder what it was like for Bosa because there had been speculation that, okay, because of those reasons and because of how Bosa came into the league, and getting a business lesson right away. And I, and I think it was something really small, too, that they were arguing about. It was like an offset yeah. in the contract or something like that. If he got hurt in camp or yeah. something. And so right. he, they got that done. If I'm Bosa, I'm like, okay, uh, this is a business now. I'm a professional. This is pro ball. This isn't amateur ball. This isn't college ball. I get it. Now, when it comes time for me to sign my next contract, it's going to be a business transaction, right? And so I wonder if they had to go a little bit higher than maybe originally they thought because Bosa was like, look, I know I can play the market. Um, I'm savvy about this. I've seen how it started here. So you're going to have to come with a serious number or else I'm going to push this to free agency and uh, who knows and, and have to you know, go through the process and, and you have to be willing to go somewhere else in that case. So this number tells me that the Chargers were like, okay, we're not going to screw around with you. I know that it was a little bit awkward when you came into the league, but here's so much money that we have to get this done now. Yeah, and they're they're clearly wanting to keep their best players. He's a phenomenal guy, a phenomenal player. And if the Bengals go out and sign Mixon or AJ Green, then I'm going to be like, oh, we got nothing to worry about. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Good point. <laughs> Good point there. Here's what's interesting to me, just about the landscape too, and this kind of goes hand in hand with that because the money that we're seeing paid out, we saw it with Patrick Mahomes who got enough money in his latest contract to be part owner of the Kansas City Royals baseball team. So he's a sports owner now in his early 20s, mid-20s, still playing, which it, which kind of blows my mind. Um, obviously, he's, he's not the majority owner of the Kansas City Royals, but he's part of the ownership group, which is, which yeah. is, which is pretty nuts. Um, but Joey Bosa, so he gets $27 million per year. What we saw in the past with... We didn't see as many players, I think. The new trend now is just like everybody gets the most money, right? It's like, oh, you're up? Okay, guess what? You get way more than everybody else got. And I feel like it's growing. Player salaries for the stars are growing at a level that's really strange. Because before, it'd be like, okay, let's say you are, I don't know, five years ago. Joey Bosa's up for a contract. The the highest paid defensive end in the league, whoever it would have been, Julius Peppers or somebody, is making... 15 and a half million. Okay, I'll get 16 million. You know, it goes up a half a million or something like that. Now it's like, who's the highest paid defense lineman in the league? Getting what, 23 million? Okay, I want $27 million. Uh, <laughs> right, George Kittle's right. like, I don't want tight end money at 12 million. I want 17, 18, 19 million. Jamal Adams is like, I want 17 million, even though uh, that's just, it blows the, you know, blows the biggest safety contract out of the water. So if every contract blows the one before it out of the water, it will grow exponentially to a point where the contracts are going to get silly. And I think for a lot of teams already, and we saw it with the 49ers deciding to trade DeForest Buckner instead of paying a defensive tackle $22 million per year, which is now $5 million per year less than what Joey Bosa is going to make here. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really, um, I don't know what the right, the right concept is for it. And, and we kind of saw in LA where it's a, 
teams are going to have to go to this stars and scrubs lineup because if you're paying position groups, you know, in the 20 millions, that means you're definitely not going to have a lot of money for other position groups. You're going to have to go very cheap and very young at those other positions. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too is I feel like the league is going towards, you know, every team might have three to five franchise type players that they're totally built around the stars and that stars and scrubs equation that are very highly paid, probably at key positions, probably one's a quarterback. And well, that also affects the charger situation. I mentioned Tyrod's a free agent and probably won't be crazy expensive. They brought him back anyways, and they're going to have a quarterback on a, you know, a five-year controlled contract for Herbert. But I do feel like there might be a stars and scrubs feel to the league where there's three or four guys that put eight to 10 years in with their team, make great money. And those rookie contracts, kind of like I just mentioned now, will be super valuable. But uh, I feel for everyone in between, you know, the, the, the middle class has always been has been getting hit hard lately. I wonder if it's going to get hit harder and harder. Right. Because teams are like, well, you know, you you're not you're not that much worse than the guy that's making this $20 million contract, but we can't pay you even half of that now. So it's like you are going to be this mid-level free agent where they're going to kind of toil around and jump around teams and have one-year contracts and, you know, three or $4 million because I don't know how much you can pay everybody. The NFL is doing great, but there's still a salary cap that has to be part of the equation. And obviously if they're dealing out these big contracts, and especially with a team like the Chargers and, I'm not saying Joey Bosa didn't deserve to be the highest paid defensive end in the league. I think that was pretty clear he was going to get something like that. But um, I'm just seeing a lot of like, let's break the record here. And then it also makes me wonder how many of these contracts and NFL contracts are already like this. How many of these contracts are players actually going to see the end of it? Yeah, that too. I mean, there there certainly is some monopoly money involved. But I, I feel for the sixth year true linebacker that's probably a low end starter ideally a backup really good on special teams but would make every team in the league he's highly useful can do more than just get you out of a game he would play snaps every week and leagues might you know teams might look at him and say well we're paying Chris Jones and Frank Clark you know and I can stick a fifth round pick in at that linebacker spot and won't be that much different so you're out of a job We've got to get to these Twitter questions and a little bit about some opt-outs that are happening around the league as well. More Locked On NFL. Twitter Thursday coming up. We haven't touched on many of the opt-outs here, and there's been some bigger ones recently. Nick Foles, that one surprised me. Nick Foles opting out for the Chicago Bears. Uh, His competition with Mitch Trubisky was going to be one of the better training camp storylines, I think, in the NFL this year. So, Trubisky doesn't have that guy to push him anymore. Uh, I think that's a big loss for the Chicago Bears. We've talked about Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who's going to stay and try to fight COVID-19 in uh, in Canada, actually. And then we have a question from Go Pats here that ties into all of this. There's six New England Patriots so far, Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower, a few others. And Go Pats says, who's obviously a Patriots fan, if you couldn't tell by his handle, he said, Matt Bryan, after yesterday's opt-outs, are Pats a victim of their own success? Can we expect to see more players with successful franchises, those with rings opting out of 2020, while less accomplished younger players take the field despite COVID risks? 
Um, I'm going to rewind a second. I hadn't seen Nick Foles. I'm sitting here digging up trying to find Nick Foles' information. That's a monster one. Uh, that shocks me to no end. You didn't mention Damian Williams or Nate Solder, too. Those guys are pretty high-quality dudes, and the fantasy community has gone crazy for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now. Um, but Nate Solder is a starting left tackle on a rebuilding team with a young quarterback. I mean, there's gonna be there's a lot of them. The Foles one is gigantic. Um, in that I've been kind of joking that you know if Trubisky goes into camp as the starter, is he going to have enough opportunity to lose the job? I mean, he's only going to have 14 practices, no games to look bad in. Like, you know, how's he going to lose his job <laughs> for being bad? Okay, here we go, Matt. I'm digging deeper into the Nick Foles thing. And apparently uh, there was a report Nick Foles will opt out. This was from Howard Eskin. And then now that has been debunked. Nick okay. Foles, uh, this was John Clark, NBC Sports, spoke to a member, a family member of Nick Foles, and he will be there at Bears camp tomorrow. He is not opting out. So that Nick Foles okay. rumor that I put down in my notes here, Double-checking on it. Always double-check your sources, kids. Uh, it turns out that is not true. Nick Foles is going to show up to camp. So that training camp competition, back on. Nick Foles versus back Mitch on. Trubisky. Let's go. I still think the Bears are picking the top five. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> it's it. funny, though. Yesterday, there must have been, not that this was necessarily that, but there. I guess there was some a lot of fake news about players opting out. Like, my 13-year-old's like, Dad, Cam Hayward's opting out. He has asthma. And I'm like, I know he has asthma. <laughs> oh, man, that stinks. I called my Steeler partner up, and he's like, I don't think that's going on, dude. And then I heard someone like Lamar was opting out. I mean, like, there was some fake accounts going on. Oh, right, yeah. So beware, people. Um, let's awesome. get back to Twitter Thursday. Uh, Damian I mean, Williams, though. <laughs> Damian Williams, I mean, I, I thought he should have been yeah. maybe Super Bowl MVP. Uh, and so, obviously, for the fantasy folks out there, if you already did – a fantasy draft and you drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you're probably feeling pretty good about that. I mean, they drafted a first round running back for a reason. He's got three down ability. Maybe feeling a little bit lucky now that they did maybe draft a running back higher than than I would have liked for a team. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire really helps them that they have him in house now. So good on the Chiefs there. Yeah, and I know the Patriots are hit hardest. We can get to that question. But the the Super Bowl champs lose a quality back that was more than good enough. And their best interior offensive lineman. I mean, I think they'll still manage to score points in Kansas City, but that's you know that's not nothing. Um, you know, we mentioned some programming stuff at the beginning of the of the show too. We should probably incorporate some more fantasy. You know, from it's getting to be that fantasy hot season between yeah. now and opening day, and I'm seeing a lot of the fantasy folks saying Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who used to be kind of a late second in a 12-team league is now like guaranteed to be a first-round pick. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is really good, too. There's a reason he was the first running back drafted, but he's not Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, no. athletic, you know? So uh, right. I, I think just because there's a clear path to playing time, there's a clear path to playing time for a lot of running backs. That doesn't mean immediately you throw him in round one as a rookie. You haven't even seen him play pro ball yet. Right. And he scares me a little bit. I know the Chiefs are aware of this and probably won't ask him to do it, but he was really bad in protection. I mean, it, protection is a big problem in the NFL mm -hmm. for keeping people off the field as a running back position. Um, I'm sure they plan on having him run routes more than protect, but if he's an every down guy, that could be exposed. 
And to get to go Pat's question, yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of more veteran players, the ones that are opting out, a lot of younger players. They're still fighting for their careers and, and fighting for footholds in the league. I don't know if the rings has anything to do with it, but I'm sure that's a factor for a player who's a veteran who has rings, uh, maybe is starting a family or something and has some risks at home and says, you know what, I've accomplished a lot where a young player doesn't have a family at home to worry about as a single guy who's still trying to scratch and claw in the league. is like, oh, there's no way I'm opting out of this season. Yeah, yeah. And um, Marcus, you know, just to really focus on the Patriots, I've heard some people saying, well, real crazy things that Belichick's telling everyone to stay away so they can get Trevor <laughs> Lawrence. I mean, that ain't happening. No, it's not. And I've also heard people saying nobody wants to play for the Patriots. They went out, they see a sinking ship. It's a miserable environment anyway. Uh, maybe as a tiebreaker. I mean, I know it's not the most cheerful organization day in and day out to work for. I just think it's bad luck by the Pats that they got hit pretty hard because I was told that Marcus Cannon was considering retirement anyway, and he also overcame a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma earlier in his career. So I can see why he would shy away, and I bet the, the Patriots weren't shocked by that one at all. There was a big-time first-round cornerback prospect, too, that uh, said he's not going to play college ball, even if the college ball season gets going. He's just going to start working on his NFL draft prep. Uh, that is uh, Caleb Farley, right? He's uh, the VTech kid. Yeah, 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 6'2", long cornerback, um, already in preseason mocks going late in round one. So um, we'll see if any college. Do you think that, that – that, I know we weren't playing – we haven't really gotten the Twitter questions yet. We're still 15 <laughs> minutes into this. but And we maybe we'll carry him over tomorrow. We have nothing sure. planned for tomorrow. Yeah, But I'm wondering, when I saw that, I thought, you know, bells went off in my head going, boy, this is like McCaffrey sitting out the bowl game, but, but the whole season. a better reason, <laughs> a whole season, your 40 is going to go down two tenths. You know, I mean, like, no one's going to blame you. They're not going to hold it against you. Some people held it against McCaffrey because he was like one of the first ones to do that. You're letting down your team. No one's going to pull that card on you now as no. a prospect. If you've like, already if you've already got that good tape, if you were someone who thought yeah. Yeah, I could probably have declared last year, and you might say to yourself, "It's not worth the risk." I can do my draft prep, like you said, shave a little bit off your forty time, and there might be less competition for draft picks. So you could really help your stock here if a lot of players aren't able to get their uh, as much tape out there from from this year as they want. If there's fewer games or whatever like that, so uh, that's interesting. Yeah. We'll see if more players follow suit there. But you know, younger the part of it is just you know being human, and the younger you are, the more invincible I think you feel like you are too. So mm -hmm. uh, there's there's that part of the factor too. I want to get to a question here that we okay. missed last week. This is from a UK listener, DZE, UK based NFL fan, dropping in. Why do so many teams use? different returners for punts than they do for kickoffs? It's a great question. And I, I like talking about this subject because not everyone realizes the differences. New fans certainly wouldn't. And <laughs> let's start with kickoff. Some people can do both. I mean, some return guys can do both. But it's really a much different skill set in that kickoff returners, just do me a favor and think of both of them through their eyes. You know, you basically are on your own goal line. And first of all, kickoff returners are becoming more and more obsolete anyways because people just boom it out of the end zone and they don't give as many opportunities they used to like when I was a kid. But catching a kickoff is hard, but it isn't really, really all that hard. You know, you get a lot of time to do it. You catch the ball. Rarely is someone right under your chin by the time you catch it. 
You know everyone's storming down, but you at least are going to get your feet moving and build up some speed before the first guy hits you 99% of the time. So therefore, you want more of the 215-pound running back skill set that will catch the ball. And again, that's not as hard, not nearly as hard as catching a punt. And I'll get to that in a minute. Get your feet moving, build up some of that momentum with some size and power and run through some arm tackles. And sure, if you can take it to distance, that's wonderful. But you want a big physical ball carrier compared to a punt returner. And a punt returner, (laughs) I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, but Robert Flores, Roflo, he now works for the Major League Baseball Network. I saw him on TV yesterday and pointed him out to my son and said, him and I used to host a podcast together for ESPN called Football Today way back in the in the, in the the heyday of when podcasts were new. And we used to argue. Neither one of us ever played the game. And Robert's not a great athlete. I'm not a great athlete. But he was convinced that if if we if, – if he, he – that he could catch – two or three punts out of 10 with a face mask on at (laughs) Bristol in great environment, no weather off a punter's foot. And honestly, we were close to setting it up. You know, like I was going to go up there. Oh, you didn't get it to happen. We never got around to it. We joked about it all the time. And I promise you, no offense, Roflo, but him, me, UBP would not catch one or two punts out of 10. Maybe you'd catch one or two out of a hundred. You're definitely right. Practice. I would not What's catch. That? You're definitely right. I would not catch one or two out of ten because I would catch seven out of ten. Man, get them all. <laughs> it's out of so 10. hard. I mean, the ball just hovers. You have a hard time finding it. It feels like it's in the air for a million. You know, for ten seconds, it comes down strange. They can knuckle it. You know, I you know, raindrops and snow are falling in your eyeballs. The the, the lighting isn't great. You feel the, the the turf with people storming down yeah. oh, on yeah. you. And there's huge men angry right. coming out to kill you and take your head off and you're blind. So I think that's kill the you. biggest one is the sight. So you can see the guys coming on a kickoff. You have a chance you to catch the ball, get going on a punt. There are guys surrounding you, coming at you full speed. You're looking at the ball, not at them. So ball security is the number one difference between returning a punt and returning a, a kickoff. And then, you know, yeah. usually you have to make a lateral move earlier with a punt return than you do with a kick return. So you can have a little bit more straight line-ish speed as a kick return guy. You need to be a little bit more laterally quick as a punt return guy. But yeah, catching and actually fielding yeah. the punt, not fumbling it back to the other teams, the number one difference there. And you see a lot of guys that do do both, but uh, that would be the number one difference. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to be more of a slot receiver type lateral agility off the line of scrimmage, you know, those type of quick moves. Make that first guy miss and... Trust me, every special teams coach in the league would take it if you said your punt returner this year will catch everyone and 40% of the time makes the first guy miss and ends up with four or five yards. That's that's fine. Oh, yeah, they would they would take that every time. They would probably say stop right there when you said they catch every punt and not, not muff any right. of them. Okay, zero yards, let's go. That's, <laughs> Give that's us good enough. Back yeah, don't don't kill me. It's hard. All right, more Twitter Thursday coming up. Your questions featured next. Here we go, Matt. Philip Rivers. I think we got somebody riled up with our Philip Rivers talk earlier in the week when we were talking quarterback tears. This from our friend Screamin' A. Pretend Philip Rivers retired after 2019 and never signed with the Colts. 
what would you have done to fix their quarterback situation for the 2020 season? Sign one of the available free agents or something bolder like possibly trading for Derek Carr? Assume you can sign anyone but Brady. And I'm, I'm guessing he's talking about what the Colts would have done if they couldn't get Phillip Rivers, not, not about the Chargers situation. Uh, I would blackmail the Luck family and try to get him to come back, <laughs> find pictures of him on the internet or something. I was waiting for that to happen back. this offseason. Maybe post-COVID, we can see an Andrew Luck comeback. I want to see him come back, man. I don't know if that's Part in the cards. Part of me thinks he will. Has anybody but, seen him? Has he done the thing where all of a sudden he's 185 pounds? And he's does he look skinny? like Roethlisberger did a couple months ago with the <laughs> insane beard? Or, oh, I bet he does. I bet he is quite bearded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's interesting because I think the way the Colts are built, the strength of the team is one of the best offensive lines in the league. You just went and got a power back. I mean, I think they want to play a certain brand of close to the close to the vest power football with an improving defense. Adding Buckner goes a long way in that regard. So part of me thinks you would want a somewhat of a game manager type, which Rivers can do. I mean, because he's so advanced i mean mentally and knowing where to go but by nature and this is the thing that i I am down on rivers about he puts the ball in harm's way a lot and he really did this last year or two so are they going to try to reel rivers in i'm trying to think they're of their way of thinking you know who else would fit the mold are they like well i can reel philip in you know he can hand off more he'll be better protected and he won't throw crazy picks so who else would fit that mold that's why i was thinking like winston can they live with somebody that throws a lot of picks? Because Rivers does. Would Winston been okay? And I think no. I think they want the more conservative type. Mariota's too boring. Um, How about this? Uh, Would they have just rolled with Jacoby Brissett? I know you've been someone who backed Jacoby Brissett. Uh, clearly, they they didn't love what they saw with Jacoby Brissett because they drafted a player too. But what about this? You just roll with Jacoby Brissett as your veteran. Uh, they had that first round draft pick. What about Jordan Love? Yeah, I was thinking that too. It's like maybe you don't trade for Buckner at that point. I'm not a love believer though. Like I would rather use that pick on Buckner than love, but I could see the other approach. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm very hesitant to say Rivers is the savior that's going to take them to the promised land. I'm more on the boat that I'm worried Rivers' best days are behind him and he's going to look not exactly Joe Namus with the with the you know with Seattle or something like that, How but I this? mean they were Willie wheeling, Mays of the Mets. They were wheeling a deal and willing to trade some picks. What if they went up with like the New York Giants or the Detroit Lions and drafted Tua? Because they yeah. were at thirteen. I mean, they, that was, was an within, for within them. striking distance. They could have gone up there and maybe spent that money without spending the draft pick on a different player other than Buckner. They had extra second round pick, yeah. you know. So you know they did have some resources at their disposal. Um, I'm not having a great name though. You know, like would they have gone out and got a Derek Carr? Like, I think Derek Carr would look really good in that environment, you know, not asked to do a ton. Yeah. Mariota, Somebody like that. Maybe, maybe get Mariota from in, in, uh, instead of, uh, Las Vegas. One yeah. of those Las Vegas quarterbacks could have made some sense. Just more competition for Jacoby Brissett. But there, I, yeah, I don't see a good fit for someone who maybe Winston. Maybe. I mean, I was thinking Cam. I was thinking Foles. Oh, I didn't think uh, about Cam. neither one of those. Yeah. Neither one of those really excited me that much, just with their style of play. So I don't know. I mean, maybe whenever they. What's interesting is all these people, of course, going into free agency, they build their free agency plan, and they were rumored to be in the Brady deal too. 
Do you think it was rivers or bust? Because, I mean, when I was at the Combine in Indy, it was like common knowledge that rivers was going to be a cult and there was no other news on yeah. the free agent market yet no i, mean, I remember one. that yeah and i it, it seems like that's what it was it was like well if we'll get rivers man that's the guy we want otherwise maybe we won't get anybody i think that yeah, might have been their right. mindset and maybe they would have gone to the draft or, or some other way yeah so maybe they only have one guy earmarked and they got him how on God's green earth did Nick Bosa get 17th on NFL 100 ahead of Khalil Mack and TJ Watt and his brother, by the way? You know guys have actually had Defensive Player of the Year votes and double-digit sacks in a season before. That question from John on Twitter. And actually, Matt, can I field this one first? Please. Let me tell you the reason why. It's because the NFL 100 list is complete garbage. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I love that answer. That's, right. that's why, and any of your questions about the NFL 100, it's why I don't talk about it a lot, because it's always the worst list. Like, go read The Athletic, go listen to Sando's tiered list, which had its own issues, right? So, in the NFL 100, Lamar Jackson's the number one player as voted on by players. That's how the NFL 100 goes. So, players are going to be bad. They're going to vote for all their teammates. I saw actually one list of a guy who had Lamar Jackson one and then nine Packers in a row. So, he was obviously a Packers player. Nobody said whose it was, but you could... Someone had a, a, a quick shot of somebody's ballot. And it's just a, it's just a bad list. So I, I usually don't pay any attention to it. It's always really bad. Uh, there's some analysts that put some other lists out that I think are a lot more well thought out, a lot better. But it's interesting. So earlier this week, we talked about quarterback tiers. NFL 100, Lamar Jackson's the number one player in the league. Quarterback tiers, Lamar Jackson is a second tier quarterback, the seventh quarterback overall. Just quarterbacks, not even NFL players. So he goes from being the number one player to the seventh quarterback as voted on by coaches and GMs. I think they're both kind of off the mark, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a better case for saying he's the best player in the league coming off an MVP season than he's the seventh best quarterback. But I agree with your first sentence more than anything. This <laughs> list every year stinks. It's bad. And I haven't even looked at it this year. I did see it scrolling across the bottom and saw like Mark Ingram at 51 or something like that. I mean, like uh, I, I, this list is seems to get worse every year. I'm th I'm actually pulling it up, but I shouldn't because I'm just going to get mad. <laughs> Todd Gurley was 50 something. I think I think he's around Come number on. 50. He was not a good player last year. Oh, he was he was not good. And the imagine being the 50th best player in the league and a team can't even trade you like, you know, nobody would have traded for Gurley and right. taken that contract. So. Uh, that tells you where he should be on the list. But yeah, a lot of it's a popularity contest. Uh, who was just in the Super Bowl? Goff was in the 30s last year, you know? So that's just that's the way it happens. Who was in the Super Bowl? Okay, you're high. I did see a little bit more projection in the list this year, but usually it's at least a year behind in giving players recognition. Patrick Mahomes being number four and not number one already tells you the list is screwed up, which is even more surprising because I just mentioned, you know, he's in the Super Bowl. All these other guys in the Super Bowl got a bump. Mahomes is four? What's going on? My advice, don't pay attention to the NFL 100. It's a garbage list every single year. Yeah, and one little note on it is players know players, and there's a lot of value to talking to players. Who's the best player you ever played against? Who's the best guy on this team? But they only know teams that they're playing. <laughs> you know, like, right. yes, they have buddies on other teams, and they may have played against them years ago, but they prepare like crazy for one team a week, they're not, they might kick up and watch Monday Night Football like you and I do, but they don't know what's going on in other divisions and things like that. That's not their job.
And they shouldn't be allowed to vote for players themselves or players on their own team. First of all, that should be the number one rule if they are letting players vote right. on something like this. Yeah, I mean, it's a ter- it's a terrible list every year. I'm, yep. I'm a little angry at us that we even brought it up because it shouldn't even be recognized. <laughs> well, I wanted to get I it out there because I've seen a lot of people yeah. point to it because then some fans flex on it. They're like, yeah, look, this player's ranked high. Player. And it's like, well, the list is bad. You just talked about how the list was bad and you were mad earlier. Now you're super happy where a guy showed up. Just yeah. Although Nick Bosa is awesome, you know, oh, I mean, no, I'm not going to have to convince yeah. you of that. And back to the Bosa conversation to start the podcast, there's a ton of awesome edge rushers, and I would have a very tough time ranking the top 10 edge rushers because they're all, there's so many. Chandler Jones, I mean, got, you know, guys like that don't get enough talked about. Right. And year to year, sacks is a, something that's going to fluctuate, so it's hard to look at sacks. You should just look at pressures where Bosa did rank ahead of some of those guys that were mentioned on this question. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it should be a nuanced conversation. And actually that's why I like the tiered approach, because I think that's more accurate because there's movement inside of a tier year to year fluctuations, how guys play, who their opponents are, what their numbers look like. They're the same talent of player, but sometimes it fluctuates. So I like the tiered system when you're ranking players anyway. And I think Nick joined his brother and some of the other top edge guys is that top tier in the NFL. Yeah. And last to roll the note on the edge guys is Khalil Mack to me still would be number one. Um, and how many times did the Bears have a substantial lead late in the game last year that he could just, you know, pin his ears back? The Niners were in that situation much more often. I say that a lot about the Steeler defense, too, because the Steelers have led the league in sacks three years in a row. First team to ever do that in NFL history. And never last year with Duck behind center or Rudolph did they ever have a lead late right. in games when sacks come in bunches. Yeah, that's a good point. That's hard to do. Yeah. All right. We got to go, Matt. We are out of time here. Thanks, everybody, for those questions. We'll hit some overflow questions, I think, on Friday's show. And yeah. maybe uh, maybe Fantasy Friday segment, Matt? Ooh. Yeah? Look at you. I like it. All right. Let's do that. Coming up tomorrow, Locked on NFL.